Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Well, hey, everyone. This is Ryan J. Pelton from the Prolific Writer Podcast, and this is episode number 116. And I wanted to come on today and let you know that this is going to be our last I'll say it again, our last episode of the Prolific Writer Podcast. Now, this is episode 116 of the Prolific Writer, where I interview some of the most prolific writers on the planet, but this is also episode number 144, if you count all our Motivation Mondays and other special episodes. And so we've done 144 episodes, which is fantastic. Uh, it has been a, a ride, a journey. And I say I had no expectations when I started this podcast back in December of 2016. So we've been going almost three and a half years. Started this podcast because I wanted to share some of my experiences as a writer, as a publisher. I wanted to pick the brains of some of the most prolific writers on the planet and learn with you uh, from some great nonfiction and fiction writers all over the globe, literally. And really had, again, no expectations of where this would go. Uh, did not expect to last this long, uh, three and a half years. Did not expect to produce 144 episodes. Uh, did not expect to have over 100,000 downloads. I think at this point, it's close to 115,000 downloads. Uh, just had no no idea where this thing would go. And it really was, in, in some ways, it was it was just kind of a selfish thing and kind of a sneaky thing where I, I thought, you know what, it would be really cool to just learn from a bunch of people and see if I could get them to talk to me and, and learn from them. And, and really, I've probably learned just as much as you have. And just by talking to so many different people and so many different backgrounds and different writing in different genres and, and hearing their stories and, and how they got started and what they're doing and how they're doing it uh, has been just such a, a huge blessing to me. And so as much as I've enjoyed being able to share these interviews with you and share a little bit of my own experiences, uh, it's time to, to put an end to the prolific writer podcast. Now, 
Uh, want to say a couple things. Uh, one is at the end of this little talk, um, I'm going to be sharing two uh, last interviews that I did, uh, when w- one with Shosh- Shoshka, sorry, stuttering, Hannah Rup- Rappel, and also Peter Seth. And so you're going to have a double interview, which I thought, hey, why not go out with a bang? Uh, so hopefully those will encourage you and inspire you. And they have some great stories and insights into uh, uh, Sashka and talks a lot about marketing. And Peter Seth talks about his process and uh, things he learned, uh, writing, uh, his book. And so you're going to, going to love those, those stories. Um, but also I just want to let you know that, um, the prolific writer. So the prolific writer.net is, isn't going away. Um, won't be doing the podcast, um, as of now. And, uh, but I do have some courses available and we'll have more courses available through the prolific writer.net. Uh, I'll still be doing a little bit of, um, teaching and, and sharing my experiences in writing and publishing. And I'm, I'm still writing my own books too. So it's not that I've gone away or I stopped writing or anything. I just had a book come out a few months ago anyways. Um, but Wanted to kind of shift more towards uh, courses. And so if you're familiar with Udemy.com, uh, it's a um, online teaching platform. I'm going to have some courses up there. And right now, the 45-day novel course is available on Udemy.com. And uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can check that out as well. And so I'll be also working on a nonfiction course, uh, those that are writing nonfiction. And so I'll get that up there as well. And I'll have some other mini courses up there as well. So so hopefully that will continue to serve you uh, in your writing. Um, I've been a big fan of courses and just being able to um, kind of sit and learn from people uh, for, you know, many ideas or many themes, you know, whether it comes, whether it's publishing or, or marketing or uh, writing habits or writing in different genres, whatever it is. I, I've learned a lot from courses. And so I, I'm going to be doing some more of those um, as well. So those will be available and you can check that out, the, the prolific writer.net. And so th- that won't be going away, but it's just taking on a different shape. The, the podcast is uh, it's a great medium and obviously podcasts aren't going away. And I love podcasts. I love listening to them and learning through them. Uh, but for me and my, my life and my rhythm and where I'm at, uh, it's just hard to do a, a weekly show. And obviously, as you can see in the last few months, I've been able to get, get out the shows as quickly as I'd like. Um, but I'm also shifting into, um, I've mentioned this on other episodes into some new, uh, adventures and projects. And so, uh, while this podcast may be, uh, going away, um, it'll still be available, um, where you, you can check out all the, uh, the episodes cause there are 144, as I mentioned. Uh, but also, um, I'm going to be, uh, working on a new project, a new podcast, um, that if you're interested at all, um, you can, can follow me over to the new podcast. Um, I don't have it up yet, obviously, um, still working on kind of the, the themes, but, but I know it will involve, uh, creativity and I know it will involve, uh, spirituality and, and how those things come together. It will involve interviewing people doing great work in the world. Um, it will be, it will involve me sharing, uh, some of my thoughts and ideas on creativity and spirituality and, and, uh, and other things. And, and so if that sounds interesting to you, uh, check out that podcast. And so I'm working on some, some names and, uh, themes and interviews and what that might look like. So that's not all worked out at this point. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and that'll probably be, uh, probably the first episodes will probably, uh, available in the spring or the summer, which is coming quickly. Um, but yeah, so, I'm not going away, um, and, and I've been able to, to, to do this for a few years and really have enjoyed it 
and uh, putting in the time and the effort. And I've met some incredible people, um, and, and that's putting it lightly. And, and I know those people are still around. And I'm I, again not going anywhere. The, the the writing community, the indie writing community, specifically in indie publishing, is just a fantastic community to be part of. Um, they've been so gracious to me, so generous to me, sharing their knowledge, sharing their wisdom. Uh, just as I continue to write and, and continue to publish. And, uh, and, and so it, it's just been such a blessing to be part of, of such a big, large community. And, and it's not just here. I'm, I'm podcasting from the States, but around the world. I mean, I've literally met people in 30, 40, 50 countries uh, that are writing and publishing. And so uh, it, it's a large community. And so it's exciting to, to be part of this and, and part of this time in history where we can can write and, and create and share uh, directly with our fans and share directly with readers and get our messages and our and our stories out into the world. And so it's it's just such a, a cool time to be be around. And so uh, the prolific writer has been been huge for me. It's been life changing in many ways. Um, I'm so thankful I can keep this out there and people can can check it out anytime they want. It is it will be evergreen. Those 144 episodes. And if you're new, uh, sorry, this is the end. But um, but there's a lot of episodes you can check out and uh, and hopefully it'll it'll serve you and help you in, in a million ways because I talk to some great people and I, I hopefully share some things that might be helpful on some level. Uh, so stick around and. And uh, check out the the website, uh, check out some of those courses, and hopefully those will serve you uh, well. And, uh, well, hey, uh, before I get to my last two interviews, uh, this is Ryan J. Pelton from The Prolific Writer uh, signing off for the last time. It has been a thrill. It has been a ride. Um, It has been hilarious on some levels uh, of what happened through all of this. Um, and, and yet it feels good that it's, I think it's time. I feel like I've been able to say what I need to say and hopefully I've served a lot of you, um, in, in maybe small ways. Um, that's my hope. And I'll just chalk that up to grace. And, uh, and, and so thank you for, uh, all that you mean to me and, uh, and I always love getting your emails and comments and I still get those, uh, really on a, on a daily, almost weekly basis. And so, um, so that's pretty cool too. Um, so thank you for all the kind words and all the encouragement over the years. And, uh, and I'll hope to talk to you guys real, real soon. Well, welcome everyone to the prolific writer podcast. So excited today to have Shaska Hannah Rappel on the show. And she is a South African, but she was living in Austria and that's a cool place too. And she has written a new book called soul brand marketing and sold out your guide to finding your life purpose. And I'm so excited to talk with her and all the work that she's doing. So Sashka, tell us something that only you and your closest friends and family would know about you. Why would I want to tell you that when my closest <laughs> friends and family know that? That's pretty cool. Um, I'm pretty much an open book, so there's not really much that they don't know about me. To be really, really honest, I'm really an open book. I'm very strong on honesty, and um, um, yeah, I'm very open book. Very, very well, open book. So. Well, great. well, then, if you're an open book, we have a lot to talk about. So, yeah. Uh, so, Saska, you're a, you're an author and you're a speaker, and as I mentioned, you have your your new book sold out, and uh, and you do a lot with with brand marketing and um, you know speaking and encouraging people and and helping people in their business and their life and. Um, and w- what I love about uh, some of the, the things you talk about, it's it's very different because I know that word branding scares people and it sounds um, sleazy sometimes or it sounds like, you know, you're always trying to get your brand out there and you're the brand in this. But you, you talk a little bit about how your brand is supposed to be driven by 
by purpose and not your profession. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that just as we kind of begin our conversation? You know, what does that mean to you and how, how would you help, kind of help us understand that? That's a good place to start. Good, good start. So profession is how we've been conditioned in our lives. Um, we've always been, we've been primed to find the job, study this, go to school, do this, and then you become this. So we grow up thinking that our profession or feeling that our profession is our identity. So whether we reach whatever we've studied for or aimed for or whether we don't, in some form or other, we hit some wall or hit a ceiling where we feel we haven't fulfilled our identity. And then we start going on this journey going, I need to find my purpose. What is the reason why I'm here on earth? Not everybody. That's those, you know, that are more seeking for a deeper meaning in life and just want more out of life. And when you start seeking your purpose, that is then separate from your profession. It's not what you do. It's who you are. And it's what you were born to do and be on earth. And if you believe in past lives, that as well, it's been accompanying you forever. And there's different levels and phases of it. And that is the golden thread for everything that you're doing. Because I believe we shouldn't, this is my the shoulds or the shoulds, but we don't need to choose just one profession. We're multi-passionate and multi-faceted human and spiritual human uh, beings. So I don't understand often why we need to just be doing one thing when we're so interested in so many different things and why we can't all bring it all together and have one golden thread. So that was my journey that I went on because I have a lot of professions. I have a lot of interests and I didn't want to narrow it down. But what holds it together though, because otherwise you go off on a tangent, there's no boundaries. We need boundaries. We need to know where we can push the limits. So that was the purpose over profession. So, so let's, let's dig into that a little bit. So how did you uh, personally, how did you kind of find yourself on this path? Cause obviously this is, these are things that you're sharing with other people you're speaking about, you're writing about, but you know, what, what was kind of the, you know, were you on the path of, you know, okay, mom, dad said, let's, you know, go, go get it, go to school, get a good job, you know, get married, have a few kids, you know, live, live the dream, whatever the dream is. Um, how, how did you kind of stumble upon this reality that like, Hey, maybe I'm, I'm wired for different things and not just one thing. Was there any, any particular moments in life where you kind of reveal, realize these things? I love that question. Um, I've always, since kid, since I could think, like really think, so it's probably around five years old, um, I've been doing acting, singing, dancing. And for me, the only aim was Hollywood famous actress. That's all I wanted to do. And I wanted to do a lot of theater and film work, um, the old Hollywood style. Um, but then I went, you grow up. And then it's like, oh, my God, I'm not that look. I'm not that special size. I'm not the special hair color. And you start judging yourself and finding or judging your worth and your confidence based on everything outside of yourself. And then one day, but still I wanted to pursue acting, singing, and dancing. But then one day someone, I don't know if you have this with yourself. In school we had like um, um, a career test. And I was sure it was like acting, singing, dancing. This is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to Hollywood. Where else would I be going? And it showed on the career test, um, hotel management, psychology, marketing. Um, and I can't remember the fourth one, <laughs> but, um, there were four, but there was no acting and singing. So I was like, so what is all these things? I don't know all these things. Well, what I landed up doing was doing all four of them, um, studying it. I can't remember the fourth one. I think it was nutrition or like aerobics or something to that effect. So I studied all of them because I couldn't decide on one thing. I'm an all-rounder. I'm a visionary and a big picture thinker. And I 
I don't think in chunks. I break things down, the big picture down in chunks. So I only know these things now because like Steve Jobs says, you can only see looking back, joining the dots. So I was able to join the dots. I'm going, I have a such a cool life and putting all the dots together. My parents never said to me, you need to go study this and you have to go do this. Mm-hmm. They were just like, whatever makes you happy. I, I don't know if that's a good thing to say, because there are a lot of things that made me happy. So I was <laughs> like, I can't decide on one thing. Um, and then, you know, working in corporate and doing my thing um, in all the professions. Um, and then I just hit the slump after I had my kids, like most women do. They hit, have a slump and it's just like, well, what am I doing with my life now? Three kids later, hmm, don't know what to do. So I started my own business and it was just like, well, how do you stand out? It's not just branding. It can't just be all about branding and all the visual stuff. And then I started asking a lot of questions for myself and listening to a lot of videos, reading a lot of books. And then I found my own method. Well, I founded my own methodology on finding your life purpose in a fun way by joining the dots, by looking back. No, I like that. And I, I think you're, you're hitting on something that, you know, it's funny if you, if you study history, you, you actually realize that people tended to have more interests in hobbies and, you know, and, and just were learning things and maybe because we didn't have access to, you know, the internet and, you know, YouTube videos and whatnot. Um, but, but they were always kind of discovering. So if you were even a politician, you, you were also a woodworker and an artist. And, exactly. and I mean, I've met so many, you know, plumbers, you know, that are going, yeah, but on the, on the side, I love writing and I love sculpting mm-hmm. and I love dance, you know, and, and yet they're almost embarrassed to say that like, well, it's like, yeah, I kind of pay the bills with the plumbing, but I really love this or, or that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more common than we realize it. You know, I talked to a lot of writers, obviously, and you know, you find out it's not just one genre they like writing in. They like doing screenplays or they like doing fiction or they like doing, you know, uh, you know, movies or they like, you know, w- whatever it is, blogging, it, it could be all kinds of things. It's like, you don't have to be just one kind of creator or, you know, and, and, and it seems like a lot of the, the things we get into actually shape the work that we're doing in good ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you're into dance and acting, like obviously that probably helps you in your speaking. It helps you in your writing and the experiences you've had through that. So, um, so, so let's talk about a little bit, you've mentioned kind of life purpose. So w- what are some things like, you know, a client comes to you, you're talking to them or you're speaking to someone and, you know, to help them kind of figure out what that looks like, because I think there is a lot of mixed messages and, you know, I think I'm supposed to do this because it was my parents did, or I think I'm supposed to do this because my friend said I should do this, or I think I'm good at this, but kind of what, how do you kind of unearth what, what someone's life purpose is? I mean, that sounds like a big task. <laughs> um, well, I have a kickoff retreat where we start off with something like that, where we immerse ourselves over five days. Um, I personally don't work on your mindset. I have done it for myself. I don't have the patience to be a mindset coach. Um, I don't like going around in circles too often. The methodology that I use, I ask very simple questions, but I, I, I scramble what you already know to unscramble. So you're learning new because we're so conditioned, especially as entrepreneurs or, you know, I'm just watching my son as well, needing to look for a profession out of school and what am I going to do and everything. We're so fixated on, I need to be the plumber so I can bring the money in. And we're so restricting ourselves in thinking expansive. And, you know, we hear hear the saying, think out of the box. Well, what does that box look like? And what does it, what does it really look like to think out of that box? And how expansive can you think? And the biggest, craziest ideas, they're all possible. Everything, everything is all possible. The only, um, 
The only thing that's going to hold you back, obviously, is fear and mindset, but it's the how and the action steps. And the purpose, in my experience that I've worked with my clients, is that it always brings you back to epicenter. So you go on a tangent, you have 5 million one ideas in one direction and then another, another direction. And before you go off on a tangent, it's just nice to sit down, be quiet and go, is this actually centered or aligned with my life purpose? I just need to bring this back over here. And when I work over the five days, when we find your life purpose, they're very, very simple questions, but it's asking them over and over and over again because you create habits. And rather than the nasty habits that hold you back in fear, we create new habits that help you expand and think, really think out the box and, and start acknowledging and accepting just how freaking awesome you are and how expansive you are, how limitless you can actually think. Like all these ideas, they can actually happen, but how you bring them all together. I like that. So so you're you're digging into a lot of kind of those beliefs or things that we tell ourselves that, oh, I can't do that because that's not responsible or I can't do that because I have a family or I can't start over because I went to school for this. And I hear a lot of that too. You know, it's like, well, I went, I got a degree in this, so there's no way I can shift to this or, you know, now I have a family of, you know, three or four or five. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, Mm. And I like that. And I I think there is a, um, you know, you know, so much conversation around just being connected through the internet and being connected to other people where we didn't have that. I mean, even 15 years ago, you couldn't converse with other people. You couldn't talk to other people. You couldn't share whatever thing you make or do. There's only a couple channels to do that. Um, and, and it's just a different day, I think, uh, in so many ways. I mean, I'm talking to you in Austria and I'm in, you know, the United States. I mean, just, if we just think about that for a moment, it's like, profound? yeah, I mean, that used to be, well, I have to get on a plane and I have to like go sit in a room and now we can, you know, see each other and talk to each other. Um, so when you, uh, and, and I don't know how much your experience of, you know, because you are a writer and, and, you know, you're, you're a podcaster and a speaker and all these things. Um, let's talk a little bit about author branding. Cause this is a question I get all the time. And I think for the writer, the artist, the creator, they tend to be introverted. Uh, they tend to think marketing is a, is a curse word. Um, they don't, they don't want to do it. You know, they, they want to make the art, but they don't want to kind of share it because it's, it feels like, you know, I, I just want to be a pure artist. Um, but I like your perspective on not feeling this, this kind of weight of, you know, I have to kind of, be the mainstream, how everyone else does it. You're, you're kind of going deeper into life purpose and things like that. So have you worked with any authors and when, when you talk to them about kind of branding and, I mean, will be some like steps some things to think about as a, as a writer, as someone who's maybe sharing books uh, with the world, whether that's fiction or nonfiction, um, you know, what, what could that look like for, for an author, just kind of the, the getting their, their work out there, getting themselves out there? This is cool. I love this. So I always, uh, yes, I have worked with writers. Um, and when we're doing their, creating their brand and their business, what often is, is on the one hand, what most entrepreneurs do, they go, okay, I'm speaking about the magnetism of marketing, for example. And then they put this magnet on the cover of the book. And it's what most entrepreneurs do. I'm a dog trainer, I'm a writer. So they always find a symbol that represents what their profession is, which limits you immediately. So the perception of whoever's going to be looking at this are going to go, oh, you're only this. Whereas if you go, 
I'm not my profession, I'm my life purpose. And it comes through your writing, your tonality. So you can go all different areas. So you can be writing in comedy, you can be fiction, self-help, whatever it is. You can have such a wide range of genre. And the way you visually present yourself is what that book represents to you, what the writing represents to you. And that comes through in the visual branding. And it'll always be consistent when you are consistent with your life purpose and your alter ego and your values and your beliefs, that's all shown. So if someone looks at your book and they read your book and they're going to go and they go to your website or they look at your trainings, they go, this is just one consistent blob. For example, uh, Gabriella Bernstein, um, just as an example, I've read most of her books, not all of them. I just scanned through them, a lot of them and stuff. But there is such a consistency in her language, in her tonality. And when she's posting something online on social media or you go into a website or you've been to one of her trainings, it's all one look, one feel that you get out of it. But all her books have a different, I mean, it's all her on top of the book. Um, What would be a different example? Um, J.K. Rowling has only written her series of books, really. Uh, I can't think of books at the moment. But one of my clients, for example, is writing about energy. And there's a series of books, but they're all different aspects. But what holds it together is the visual branding. So you know you've got like a collection happening, although they're different topics and themes. You know it's from one author. So you're, you're kind of saying the, really the, the way you're, you're marketing yourself or you're branding yourself is, is really you. It's who mm-hmm. you are. It's your personality, yeah. your, the way you talk, the way you, um, regardless of genre, regardless if you write in multi, you know, yeah. different areas. I, I think that's really helpful because the, I think in our, maybe in the past you had to be a little more niche down and a little more focused on, you know, I'm the coach and that's all I talk about is coaching or, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing more, I'm seeing less and less of that. I'm saying, you know, it's like the person, I really respect the person. I like yeah. their, their tone. I like their values. I like their, you know, and it's, it's kind of that, you know, whatever they say or write or do, it's like, I'm probably going to pick that up because I really appreciate their, their angle or their perspective. And this is actually interesting because, you know, if you think of some big uh, name authors like Stephen King, for example, I use him a lot as an example is the, the irony is that everyone thinks he's just a horror writer, but if you look at his catalog, I mean, he's written everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's done nonfiction. He's done fiction. He's done, you know, uh, you know, literary stuff. He's done short stories. He's done huge novels, you know? Um, and, and the funny thing is like some of his most successful work is, is most of his not most successful stuff is not horror. <laughs> and yet he's known, you know, for a lot of people, it's, Oh, he's the scary writer. It's like, no, actually, yeah. you know, the green mile and Shawshank redemption and, you know, stand by me, all these great movies that were based on his books. Um, and I think that's a good example of like, you just trust his voice. You trust that he's a good, you know, he's going to produce a good story regardless of what the, you know, the, uh, the genre is or whatever. Um, and I, I think that's really good because I think that frees people to think differently about, how I share myself or my work out in the world. Or the other thing is, you know, I see a lot is we're always talking about our books rather than talking about our families or talking about other things that interest us. So it becomes kind of, it becomes a little boring too. It's like, okay, Mm. I know you wrote the book, but it's like, there's more to you than just that. (laughs) And a lot of times that kind of sells people because it's like, I really like that person, you know, because they're, they're talking about their struggles or they're talking about their families or, you know, there's more to them. Um, I mean, writers are, writers are artists. I mean, there's a blank canvas that they're writing on. You can't edit a blank, a blank page. Mm-hmm. So you're pouring your heart and soul onto this page with words. That's how you're creating a look and feel. Much the same as a singer 
or an actor, Will Smith or Lady Gaga, all their album covers, they all look different, but their tonality is all the same. There's always one message that's coming through. Well, Sasha, one of the things I, uh, you obviously have a book out. And one of the things I like to talk about is, you know, authors and their process and their, you know, origin story a little bit. So, you know, you're, you're blogging, you're writing, you're doing all these things, but you obviously have, you know, done acting and dancing and, and all kinds of things. Tell us a little bit, kind of your foray into writing. I mean, what, when did you kind of start writing? When did you think you could write? Kind of talk a little bit about that. What were your kind of early influences getting into just this part of creation, if you will? Um, I've always been writing. Um, I was actually speaking to my mom the other day. Whenever we'd have an argument, I would never, I'd always need time to cool off and then I'd write a letter, (laughs) some letter or form of apology. And it would always be like five or six pages. My mom would go, oh my God, here we go. Here's another letter. (laughs) Here we go. So I've always been writing and expressing the feelings. Um, What I haven't been very good at is um, assembling the, the ramble. Cause I love to ramble when I'm busy talking about something. So my process was learning with my book coach as well. Cause I have a book coach just to take me through the steps and just to see the bigger picture. Cause I was writing in chunks, which I wasn't used to because I'm a big picture thinker. So that helped me a lot to go, Oh, okay. So this is how it fits in here. This is how it fits in here. Um, my inspiration, I love imagination. I love um, humor. I love crime. So I love bringing all these different angles in and much the way I write at the moment. It's a, it's a nonfiction. My second book, which is a fiction book, the soul wonder is coming out next year. Um, and that's also, it's got the crime. It's got the adventure. It's got the self-help. Um, it's got the imagination in there, the humor, all of the things that are in there, but the genre is a self-help um, book. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. So talk a little bit about sold out. So your guide to finding your life and purpose. Um, you know, tell us a little bit, there's always a kind of a backstory to, you know, trying to solve a problem. You know, here's what I'm saying. Here's the book I feel like I need to write, Mm. you know, kind of walk us through that kind of what is this just kind of a culmination of all the, you know, working with clients and working and speaking and, you know, uh, just over the years or kind of what, where did the the book come from? (laughs) That's a good, uh, by accident, literally by accident. (laughs) I was working with one of my clients, um, we each other's clients and she was saying you know write this write this write this and I was like yeah 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 cool and then after she's like oh my god this is a book and I'm going what yes it is and then we started putting it into the book and started you know fleshing it out and putting things in and I was going this is my methodology and I was really hesitant to put it out as well because I was like I mean people are paying me for this <laughs> and but the thing is is that it needs me I I am the special ingredient that's there as well but what my Two things. So my book coach said to me, when I come back in my next life, will this book help me pick up where I left off? And I was like, yes. So I was like, that is excellent. So I'm writing my book so I know that when I come back, I pick up where I left off because it comes into the universal library. The second thing was my thing has always been to get people to, I like challenging your status quo. Um, scrambling what you know for myself as well. I love my status quo challenge as well. And the book gets you to think. So it's a very easy read and you read it, but it plays on your mind like a few weeks afterwards. And you're kind of like, huh, I never, huh, that's pretty interesting. So when you watch things and you do things, it's like, oh, I did. Wow. Okay. And you start noticing things that weren't there before. And yeah, that for me was just my main reason for writing the book once 
my client said to me, oh, you have a book after I was by accident mm-hmm. writing it and then putting it together. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're, you're tapping into something too, like the conversation about, you know, if I put everything in this book, I'm already, you know, I already have coaching clients. I already have, you know, speaking engagement. Like I'm just giving everybody everything, but it, it's interesting how that actually doesn't hurt. It actually helps, yeah. you know, in many ways. And it, and it can be kind of a way to, obviously you're not giving every detail, but you know, people can kind of dip their toe in and say, Oh, this is what, you know, Saskia is all about. And uh, here's kind of her angle and her perspective and, you know, and book format is so I love books because it's, it's, you're actually tapping into the person's brain and you're, you're Mm. hearing, you know, it's, it's, you're able to like hear somebody else's thoughts and wisdom. And it's just, I mean, I think books are amazing for that. And it's something that's, like you said, it's forever. And you know, your kids, kids, kids can pick that up and have a little piece of you and and what you were about. And, and I love that, that idea and the, you know, and the stories we share too, like they can just keep going on and on. Um, And, you know, beyond us. And obviously we, we still read books, people that aren't around anymore and we have their thoughts, you know, kind of left behind. Um, that, that's great. Uh, so tell us a little bit, you know, when you, and this probably would, would help writers when they're thinking about, you know, just kind of reflecting on their own lives and marketing and their work and what they're called to do and all this. Um, you know, what are some of the biggest kind of challenges that you see with, with your clients? I mean, when it, when it comes to, I mean, we can make it broad, but you know, branding, marketing, finding your life goals, your purposes, things like that. Like what, what are some challenges that, that kind of come to the, the, the surface of people that you work with? Are there some common ones? Pardon me. Um, yeah, well with visionaries having all those ideas and then you go off on a tangent and then nothing comes of it. It's not profitable. So you have a lot of ideas and what do I do with them? So what I'm doing with my clients or how I help them is that to bring those ideas down to earth, basically. And because they know the how, everybody knows the hows. Even if you're, whether you're a writer, whatever you do, when you're an entrepreneur and you've come into business, you've learned some form of something of marketing. And marketing is nothing else other than, if you summarize it in a nutshell, sales and advertising. So one thing you need to be promoting and then you need to be selling so you can make it profitable. And when you're doing these things naturally, you come into a slump because it's, you you get stuck, uh, what's called, um, German English, sorry, Mm -hmm. you get stuck on a, on a, on a level, like in a game, a video game, and you can't get to the next level. So your solution is maybe if I have a new idea, then I can get to the next level, Mm -hmm. but it just means you go back to start point A. And then you get all the way forward again because it's, it's a little vicious cycle that you keep going through. And that's the common thread that I see through all my clients is that the business is running them rather than them running their business. And they never get past hitting the ceiling and going, ah, oh, all right, okay, I can see the expansiveness now. I can move away from this and expand into a brand as opposed to just staying in the the business side of things and just going around in circles. So, you know, you might be going, okay, I'm just writing a book, but someone goes, I mean, which is the normal thing, a marketing is then going, oh, well, how about you go speaking? Or how about you then do a course out of this? Or how about you do something online? So they're the logical steps that go next but you can go further than that. But if you just stay on the profession level, it keeps you in the box of just thinking about things that you can do on a profession level. But if you really want to influence generations, then you break free of that box and you go, oh, okay. So how would I do this if it were with my purpose? How would it be true to my purpose if I expand on this using my profession? So it can be amplified through my profession, writing a book, whatever it is. You know, you could be, 
I don't know, setting up schools and helping other, you know, pencil promise or something to that effect or collaborating with them or who knows what, what ideas come from there. It doesn't really matter how, where, when, what, or, you know, helping people write books, working with Farrell Williams, Pharrell Williams or something to that effect, you know, where you're just kind of like working with artists. You never, ever have to stay in one genre and just mm-hmm. move along. So that's the, the biggest problem that I problem. The biggest downfall that I see with most of my clients that come to me is that I have a lot of ideas, but the business is running them and they're not running the business mm-hmm. and they hit the glass ceiling because they can never move past just being in inverted commas, a profession. They want to go further than that, but they don't know how or where because they're so fixated on marketing, mm-hmm. scary world of marketing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, you know, I mean, one of our philosophies too, like pr- the prolific writer is, is, you know, to do consistent work and to get work out into the world. And some of that's yeah. the best marketing. And I think yes. when people start with the marketing, that's when it already has failed. It's because you don't even really know what you're making or what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I mean, the irony is it's like, even when you talked about the origin of your book, it's like, you don't know where those ideas come from. And it, a lot of times it's, you know, we aren't just sitting down and going, okay, A, B, C, D, here's a, here it comes. You know, it's like, no, someone telling you like, no, you have a book here. It's like, what? Yeah. You know, that's, you know, <laughs> you're right. and the, yeah, all these ideas, it's like, you have to kind of let those ideas. I mean, all my nonfiction books started with an idea and the end book was not that idea. It was, it mm. totally took me in a different direction and you kind of just have to follow that wherever that leads, you know, exactly. um, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is exactly what you were saying earlier, but um, I think one of the challenges too with, with authors is they don't see their, their work as, as a business they don't see it as mm. a whole package you know it's like yeah there's the artist side but there's also not the business side like if you do want to yeah. make money on this and you want to go further like you said you know is, is there a course you could put around this is there you know a podcast is there uh, you know other ways you can kind of you know monetize it I, you know i hate using that word but but you know it's but there are ways to kind of get your work out there where it's not just mm. one thing it's it's a lot of things or you know coaching or you know even with your fiction you know um there, there's ways of doing that so um, I, I see a lot of authors kind of forgetting that piece that it's not just this kind of book that's just kind of there, but there's like you behind it. And there's a, there's kind of a, you know, there's production that has to happen and there's, you know, yeah. all these things, um, w- w- which I, I, I think is more fun actually that, you know, you see yourself as a publisher, not necessarily just an author, mm. you know, you have a publishing company, you know, with, with different aspects and you're going to get into different areas and things like that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about just kind of your own, um, you know, challenges. I, I've read some of your, your blogs and, and some of your writing and heard you in a few interviews and things. Um, talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of your failures, some of your challenges that you've had over the years. I mean, obviously you have, you know, people listening, I think could probably relate to a lot of ideas, big vision. How do I know, you know, wh- where to go, what to do next? You know, how do I know when I need to stop this and maybe start this? Um, talk a little bit, just kind of things you've learned along the ways. I mean, maybe f- through failure that you've kind of said, you know, this has kind of been a lesson I've kind of taken away from that. Mm. I love that you use the word lessons and failure, my steps to success. Um, <laughs> and what success means to me, success is freedom. Success is freedom of thought. Um, so it's not just monetary. Um, so along my way, and I want to, I wanted to mention this, to what you were speaking about before. And it's one of the biggest lessons I have learned for myself as a business owner. Um, And even when I was employed, it's foremost not what you know, it's who you know. 
foremost. So whether you've written a book, your biggest asset is relationship marketing. It's networking with um, whoever, set your goal, set your target, go to different networking events because you never know who knows someone in order to get you. So you have a screenplay that you really want to get out there. I don't know my purpose yet. I don't know what's happening, but I've written the screenplay and I really want to get it out there. And you can do all the right things in inverted commas, um, which I did as well. I did, I mean, I come from brand marketing, communications, advertising, studied under, I mean, I got psychology, consumer behavior, just rattle off all the different things, working under Ogilvy and Mather um, agencies. I've got all the right things, but it's really who you know. So you'd speak to someone and I'd be, I'd, because of the mindset, I'd feel inferior. So I'd be, oh, I'm not good enough to do something like that. So I'd hold myself back rather than stepping forward and bold and going, oh, hang on a moment. I might not have it all. It might not be perfect, but I know this is going to work. Hmm. And it's going to work because of X, Y, Z. So I really had to believe in myself. And that was one of the other steps or lessons that I learned that I didn't believe in myself. And then all those things in marketing is what's going to support you financially in a business so that you're running the business in order to be profitable, in order to make money. The brand is going to take you as someone that's going to influence generations. It's a thought leader. So my big lessons were not believing in myself, um, having all the right things, but not having the relationships in order to promote it to the different people or the community or, you know, thinking. And third, I would say is in earlier on was not always being the student, no matter how much I know, I always need to be the student. I always need to be open to learning something new. And from someone, Mm -hmm. there's always something I'm going to learn that's new. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think there's, you're tapping into some, you know, I've interviewed, you know, hundreds of people and, you know, the, I've heard that, that thread many times it was, Hey, I got, I got my book into this one publisher's hands because I knew someone or, mm. you know, a contact through a contact. And it was interesting because, you know, you always think, well, you got to do it. You know, you got to get your manuscript ready and you got to do a pitch <laughs> and you got to do all the stuff. And it was kind of like a straight line right into, Hey, I really like exactly. you and I like what you're doing and here you go. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I think that's, that's scary for especially artist type, you know, that tend to be a little, like I said earlier, you know, introverted and, you know, I don't want to talk to people and, you know, all that, but, but it's really about relationships. And I, I really like just as I've kind of read some of your stuff that that seems to be a, a key component for you is relationships. Yeah. You know, you talk about in your little bio, you know, about hugging people and, and really getting yeah. to know them, looking them in the eye. Like it sounds so old school, but it's like, that's, but that though that's still works like mm. human to human as much as we can, obviously online world we get we get that but but you know being in the lives of people meeting with people having coffee with people talking to them face to face like there's a different experience there than just you know talking online or or whatever um i mean online's good obviously we're doing that right now but um but you know there is something to that um and really getting to know someone in a kind of a deeper deeper way um and that opens doors because it's like hey I, i like you i trust you you know not just you know what kind of branding do you have or whatever um I mean, um, I just want to say something quick, Ryan. When you look at what I love doing is looking at different talent shows. So whether it's the X Factor or recently I just started watching um, Rhythm and Flow with um, um, Cardi B and Chance the Rapper and Timberlake and just seeing what they look for in talent. And you can see for yourself when someone really believes in themselves. It's not the sob story. 
It's not, oh my God, please look off, you know, look for, look for me. I'm, I'm the one. It's really believing, going that straight line and going, it's all or nothing. This is all that I'm giving you my all. And you really see that even if you're an introvert or an extrovert or ambivert, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you have to believe in yourself. You have to get onto that stage or in front of people networking, go, I believe this I need, I would fight for, I would fight for this. And if you don't have that within you, find it, mm -hmm. find the fire, find the spark. Cause that's, what's going to give you a kick up the butt and mm -hmm. move you forward. And then you can, you, well, not then, I mean, simultaneously, you're doing your marketing and your branding and creating a community. It's just learning to be that people person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was reading some the other uh, a while back and I think I wrote about it too. And uh, you know, they were talking about when you write is having this confidence because most writers, you know, it's like, Oh, this is the worst thing ever. But he was just kind of saying like, if you don't love your own stories, no one's going to love your stories, Ooh, you know? Goosebumps. And yeah. yeah, I mean, he just, and he's saying, you know, when we're honest, of course there's things that are wrong with it. There's things that are could be better and we're not naive, but he's like, as you go to the page, you really have to say, you know what? This is the best story that's ever been written. And even though we know it's not, but, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's the, yeah, like you're saying, it's the dancer, it's the business person, it's the teacher, it's the mom, it's the dad, whatever to say, Hey, I can do this. And, mm. um, because that confidence does get you up the next day and it keeps you going, I think, um, and going, Hey, I've done this before. Um, yeah. cause, cause writing is a weird, weird thing. Cause I've, you know, I've written like 17 books and each one though, just, when you start, you're just like, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. Like, you know, even though I've done it 17 times, you know, you're just going, this is gonna be the worst thing ever. And you have to kind of fight through that and go, no, you've done this before. Look back, look, you've had success. You know, you can do it. Um, and, and that's hard. I, I think that's really hard for the artist type because I think artists tend to be wired in a different, different way. Um, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit, some of your, uh, you know, we, we've talked about it, but you know, you've got into, you know, writing and, and podcasting and all that, but you got into like speaking as well and, and, and talking to people and doing conferences and workshops and all kinds of stuff. Um, tell us a little bit, kind of your journey into that and kind of what, what you try to do when you're, you're with people, you know, on the stage and, and, you know, I was watching some of your videos and things, um, you know, what, what's kind of the goal of, of some of your, your seminars and your speaking and, and things like that? Um, well, I've been speaking all the time. All of us speak every single day. We're very lucky if we are able to voice ourselves, um, having a voice, uh, we're very honored to have that. And we have opinions, we have thought leadership and we voice that. And when I'm speaking a, as with my book, I want to challenge your status quo on what you think a brand is, what you think branding is, what you think marketing is. Um, for most people, when they come in, they're going, all right, so what are the branding principles? So this is a branding person. So they're going to tell me what colors to use. Um, where must, you know, what kind of font should I be using? And I don't, I don't speak about that. I, I speak about your positioning. I speak about you embracing your umbrella, um, you know, all your different professions under one brand and not just focusing on one thing. I focus on, um, your your life purpose, il senso dolce della vita, mm -hmm. uh, which are the sweetness of life purpose, and uh, putting it all together and how you use it to lead your ship. What ship are you leading? So what what for what reason are you here? Um, and when I'm speaking, I do a little bit of entertainment as well. So I'll sing and dance and maybe do a mime or get people involved. 
Um, I don't like just standing up on the stage and going, hi, it's just me and the stage. <laughs> I like getting the audience involved in some way or other, whether it's 4,000 people, 10,000 people, or only 20. Um, I, I love to educate and entertain at the same time. That's what I enjoy about speaking. And a sideline is then, hey, I have a book. So if you find this interesting, go and read the book. And if you send me proof of purchase, then you get a workbook as well. And you can work on that as well. So I get people to, I'm all about knowledge, but if it's not applied, it's pretty useless. Mm -hmm. So when I speak about stuff, I'm like, people will come to me weeks afterwards, not often immediately, weeks afterwards. And they go, hey, I saw you speaking then. You really got me thinking. And then I bought your book. And then I started thinking about this. And now I'm on this trail. And I'm like, that's great. I love it that I've challenged your status quo. Mm -hmm. That's my mission. (laughs) That's great. I love that. So, uh, you mentioned earlier and you have a lot of ideas and you're kind of all over the place when it comes to just different, you know, not limiting yourself to one thing, but um, I, I need you to talk a little bit because I think maybe this is just for me, but um, you write nonfiction and fiction. And, and I yeah. love that because we have a lot of people too that, you know, almost think, well, you can only do one or the other. And, and yet you've kind of, you're, you're doing both. So, so talk a little bit kind of, you know, you just did the nonfiction book, but now you have a fiction book coming out. Um, you know, what, what, how, was that a different experience for you? How did that work? You know, how did you, you know, how did you get into that? You know, what, I mean, was it just, was it more challenging, one more challenging than the other? Talk a little bit through that nonfiction versus fiction. I feel like a little bit of a fraud. <laughs> I, whilst I was writing the nonfiction and finishing that up and I was working with my book coach, I just started writing the fiction and I finished it. And I was like, and I left it for two years and now I'm like, oh, okay, let's flesh it out now. Let's work on it and then launch it mm-hmm. next year. And it just came as an idea and I just started writing that that's it. There was no strategy. There was nothing. It was just like there's empty pages and I'm just going for it. And it just flowed. It just happened. Um, there are, there are a lot of loopholes, a lot of loopholes in, in the story that I've written. So I've got to really flesh it out really well, but, um, and it's tiring. It's tiring when you write a book because it's like, God, I've read this story like 50,000 times already. Mm-hmm. Now, what more should I be adding? Right. And how should this character actually be? And why is this one the hero again? Oh, I can't remember. And then bringing it back into, into place and position. And then, then you always land up at the same place that you started, mm-hmm. but you've gone on this whole frigging journey that just kind of takes you around in circles. But then you know it's the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the right, you know, what you've written down is like, oh, yeah, 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 this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I said, I, I don't like keeping myself in a, in a box. I don't believe that we are restricted. We restrict ourselves through mm-hmm. the way we've been conditioned through education and work and conditioning. Um, so I'm just like I'm writing a nonfiction book just by chance, mm-hmm. my methodology and my business. And then I just started writing a fiction book. And I was like, oh, all right, done both. That's pretty cool. Nothing extraordinary. It's like, I've just done both. That's fine. Great. It's out of the system. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. I think that's your, your Sashka such a breath of fresh air. I think there's just need, we need more of you. Uh, oh, thank well, I, you. Think, I think there's just, you know, just the giving, uh, you know, giving permission to say, Hey, it's okay. Like, you know, because I, I talk to so many, I mean, I really do. I talk to so many authors that just feel like so 
hemmed in. Like I, I can't do a nonfiction book or I can't do a fiction book or I, I really want to tell stories, but I just can't because I, I have this nonfiction coaching business or I have whatever. And it's like, I don't know who's telling them that or who's, you know, saying, you know, if you do fiction, you're going to die and, you know, <laughs> somehow your family's going to get, you know, cancer. I mean, it's just like almost that kind of, of thinking, like, you're just like, yeah. I don't know who's, you know, and it's, I think cause they've, they've kind of drank the Kool-Aid in the, in the sense of, you know, this is the only way you can brand yourself. But I, but I think there's, there's something to that to just let, let what's in you get out. And um, yeah. there's a, re- there's a reason for that. You know, obviously you, you have the show st- business. Yeah. I mean, you have the story and it's like, I mean, I think it's funny. Like you were talking about so- show business, like actors that do music and you're like, so many do music or vice versa. And yeah. I think there's a reason because they're like, you know, I like acting, but man, I really love playing the guitar and I love singing, yeah, you know, and exactly. it's like, but they don't have a chance, you know, because they have their brand and they can't be both, you know. Well, look at Serena Williams. She's a professional tennis player and she's like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to go into clothing. What they usually do, they go yeah. into some kind of merchandising or some kind of clothing form or something. Mm-hmm. Or Gwyneth Paltrow, that's an, uh, an actress, but then goes and opens a publishing house, a magazine. Right. And and dives into the world of nutrition and and mindset and looking after your body and alignment and everything. There's we can do anything and everything as long as it's aligned with what your life purpose is. Mm-hmm. Not as long as mm-hmm. otherwise you're just scattered everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we can we can really do everything. I mean, look at all the artists. Um I just watched on the weekend just by chance, Hustler, Jennifer Lopez. I mean, she's got a finger in every pie and Cardi B was in there and Lizzo's in there. So they're all singers, but they're acting as well at the same time. I'm like, you can do everything. You can do absolutely everything. There's no limitation. That's great. I love it. All right, Sashka. So here's the end of the show. Uh, one question, <laughs> one question I like to ask uh, before you go, and then you'll be able to tell us where we can find you and, and what you're working on. Um, you know, you, somebody comes to you, beginning writer, they're just starting out. What would be just some advice, some truth, some wisdom you'd give them just as they they kind of begin on this writing, authoring, publishing journey? What I would give them advice to starting the authoring journey? Uh, hmm, what would I give them as advice? I tell all my clients and I've printed it everywhere and I have merchandise and everything on it and it all just says done is better than perfect. We all try to be perfect in everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, just get it done. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not perfect, who the hell cares? But you got a starting point. Mm-hmm. So that's, what? And if someone that. doesn't like it, that's their problem. It's just a mirror of you anyway. If mm-hmm. someone's a naysayer and they're telling you, oh, that was crap. Uh, that was, I don't know, can I swear? That was a uh, crap. You're not allowed to write anything like that. Or, you know, this is not the genre. Then you're like, meh, whatever. And then just carry on. It's just a form of you that's just telling mm-hmm. yourself off. So yeah. just turn the other way and go, actually, I'm pretty awesome. I love the way this is actually gone. Mm-hmm. No, that's really helpful. I, you know, it's funny. There's, I mean, not to go deep dive into that, but there's a book I was reading called selfie. <laughs> it's actually, cool. actually exploring kind of depression and social anxiety and things. And, and it has, I mean, he's kind of come to the conclusion that has to do with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. It has to do with, I'm not perfect enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, whatever. And so we're not, doing the kind of work or we're getting depressed or we're getting, cause we look at everybody's, you know, social media profiles and go, Oh, they're awesome. I'm not. Um, but, but I love that advice, you know, do the best you can. Cause no one is perfect and no one, no Nobody. book's perfect. No business is perfect. No, you know, and yet we tell ourselves like, it's just, yeah, it exists and I'm going to find it, you know? Mm. Um, but no, that, that I think that's just, is going to free a lot of writers. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, so Sashka, tell us uh, best place to find you. And then I know you, 
uh, have a book out, the sold out book, also a fiction book coming out. Anything else you're working on, please feel free to share that. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Uh, you can find me on either my website, brandsashka.com, B-R-A-N-D-S-A-S-H-K-A.com. And that's pretty much all my social media handles except Twitter because someone decided to keep that name. So it's brand by Sashka. Um, otherwise, uh, you, what I'm working on at the moment besides my second book, uh, The Soul Wanderer, is uh, the Visionary Hub. So I have a Visionary Hub for visionaries to who are already running a business but want to move away from having the business run them and moving into a brand. So you pretty much need to know marketing in terms of I know what a website is, I know what social media is, so I don't have to go and explain it to all of you and you have all of those things, but make sense of it all and put it to your advantage rather than having them run you because you don't have to be on every platform like me because it drives you crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I just ignore all of them. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I'm working on at the moment. It starts with a retreat in, um, in Austria, in the Alps, for five days, and then it's pretty much online from there. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. Uh, Thanks. Well, Sashka, this was uh, such a fantastic interview. So much fun to talk to you. I love the work that you're doing. Thanks for helping a lot of writers today. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners as well. Thank you. Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. I'm so honored today to have Peter Seth on the show. And Peter has a brand new book, When I Got Out. And it's a second novel in a series. And I'm so excited to talk to Peter about his new book and his life and and all the things he's been up to. So Peter, why don't you say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Hi, Ryan. Hi, my name is Peter Seth. I'm a writer living in Los Angeles. I just had to start with a little correction, Ryan. It's not a series. This is just two books. Oh, okay. And this second one uh, finishes the story. But it's two, so that's a... Uh, a duet it's, it's sort of it's a short series fantastic well hey peter hey it's so good to have you i know you're living in la i'm actually originally an la guy um but i think you're originally a new york guy so yeah, new york and la two two great uh places yeah so so tell us a little bit kind of you know a little bit of you where where'd you come from how'd you get, i know you're a you're also a filmmaker and doing a lot of writing a lot of genre so tell us a little bit kind of how you got into the the creative world of writing well, I started writing in college. I had a, a mentor who told me, you're a writer, and sort of stuck with me. Uh, so I've written uh, screenplays and some TV. And then I finally found that writing novels was probably uh, the best thing for my talents. So I've written these two novels, and um, uh happy with, uh, with, with writing prose. Well, great. Well, great. And, uh, you know, and w- w- what I can tell the book, I, it's a, it's a fairly long book, so I didn't get to, to read it all, but as I was kind of looking through it and, and looking at the, the characters and the themes and, and they're, like you said, it's kind of a two part, uh, book, if you will, uh, with the same kind of characters and story and, and background. Uh, but one of the big themes of that book is it starts or it's set in a guy getting out of prison and he was in prison for quite a long time and kind of trying to navigate his way outside of, of prison. So, so tell us a little bit, kind of where did this like seed of this idea come from? Well, well, the first book was a book I, which is called uh, what it was like it was in my mind for a long time. It's a book about a teenage obsessive romance that leads to violence. And that was only the book I only wanted to write for a long time. But when I finished that book, I realized there was another book to be written when my lead character gets out of prison after 40 years and has to try to redeem his life and uh, deal with contemporary America. And it opened up a whole other book for me. So I wrote the second book. 
Now, when you're, uh, you know, obviously you've, you've done some films and written for TV and other things. Like, what does the, you know, the research process look like when you're dealing with, you know, prison and, you know, life? I mean, it doesn't sound like you've been in prison. Maybe you have, yeah. but, um, but, not uh, so far. That's not, so far. not so far. Yeah. Uh, what does that look like? I mean, where do you go? I mean, do you talk to people? Do you read stuff? Like, how does that, what's the process of kind of getting the feel for, for what that would have been like and making sure that's somewhat accurate? Well, I did my research. I, I read, Books. Thank goodness for the internet. The internet is good mm-hmm. for some things. A lot, of, a, lot of internet, a lot of internet research, read books, and then uh, sort of you know digested the research and then told my story. So you know my book. It's it's not nonfiction. It's definitely a, a, a someone's story. But I you know I want my my books uh, to have the the feel of reality. So the the reader isn't thrown out uh, of the story by something that's just you know too untrue. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. And I, I love the, the themes of the, this book. So you, you start with the first book, you have, you know, this young, you know, guy who, you know, commits a crime and gets thrown in jail. And then kind of the, if, you mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the second book has him kind of life outside of prison exactly. and, and just the things that he's, he's kind of, you know, lost and, and missed and, the, you know, the world kind of passed him by. I, I think of uh, Shawshank Redemption, you know, and some of the characters in that, that movie and that story where, you know, they get out of prison. It's just like, they just can't handle life, you know, outside of the, the, the gates of, you know, prison and they're so used to it. Uh, you know, talk us through that kind of, how did you, how did the, the, the process evolve? I mean, do you have kind of the whole story in mind or you just kind of go with it and see where it goes or talk a little bit about those, those themes, why those kind of stuck with you? Uh, well, it, you asked a whole bunch of que- good questions there. I, uh, <laughs> in terms of, uh, of structuring the story, I guess, uh, you just sort of, uh, Imagine what's right for your character. I think I, because I, I, I had a character to begin with, I started to uh, just think, well, what really would happen to him when he got out? And it just fed into my, you know, whatever storytelling abilities I have. Uh, you know, uh, you know I, I, I did do research on, on what happens to ex-cons when they get out of uh, jail. And it's, uh, it's not very pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it, it, I, I, you know, I wanted a better story than what happens to uh, the actual ex-convicts, many of whom wind up being homeless. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to write about prison at all. And, and so I tried to give my character, uh, Larry, uh, uh, a, a better story. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's a, it's, I mean, obviously you're writing a fiction. So I was just interviewing someone uh, today actually. And we were talking about, you know, the, you know, nonfiction is great, but there's something about storytelling where you can kind of get at different kind of big issues of the day and, and do it in a, in a, you know, fictional sense but it somehow it really does grab you in different ways because it's a story and you know i mean obviously incarceration is a big issue in our day and things like that and and yet nobody talks about you know what happens when someone actually gets out of prison and what's life like after that you know it's like well they did their time and you know just move on but obviously it's very very difficult um you know what were what were some things that you kind of learned along along the way as you were kind of writing this story and maybe even talking to people or researching you know that that was kind of uh kind of pushed on your buttons a little bit in a, in a negative way or, or in a hard way, an emotional way. It, it was doing, doing the research. I found out, you know, frightening statistics. There are 5 million ex convicts in our country and they have 10 times the, uh, uh, rate of homelessness. Uh, it, you know, uh, great food insecurity. Uh, mm. uh, so the more I found out, the more I, I realized I had to write it. Uh, I had to give my uh, character a different story from the, you know the grim truth of, uh, of 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 life in America. Life in America is hard enough for uh, quote unquote regular people, much mm-hmm. less uh, people who have uh, you know the the, the, uh, the the stigma of being an ex-convict. Mm-hmm. 
No, that's so true. I, I mean, the, the, I mean, the irony is like you do your time, you know, you pay for it and then it's like, you keep paying for it. <laughs> you know, you, if you, you know, you're a convict and people don't want to hire you and you can, sometimes you can only live in certain parts of the city and, and things oh. like that. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, people, landlords won't, 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 uh, uh, let you, uh, uh, sign a lease. Uh, employers won't, uh, often won't, uh, hire someone who's, who has a record. Even if you get a job, an ex-convict, uh, is the first person suspected if something disappears at work? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's a hard life. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I had to uh, you know g- give Larry a, a a really good story, and it's and, and I was gratified to see that a lot of what my storytelling instincts lined up with uh, what real people go through. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I, I like that, and I, I think it's important to tell you know those even though it's a fictional story, but to tell those kind of true stories and and give a, a feel for what it's really like, and and not you know, kind of minimize that. Now, one, one of the things that's interesting about Larry, uh, what I've, I've read is, uh, you know, it's not only that he's, you know, he's gone to prison, you know, all the hard things that come out of prison, just trying to get your bearings in the world. And, you know, the opportunities obviously aren't there and things like that. But one of the things is, you know, kind of this love story about, you know, dating life after, you know, you're, <laughs> you're 50, 60 years old. Like, you know, what does this look like? Like, how do I do this? How do I meet someone? Um, talk a little bit about that. What was that kind of uh, piece that you wanted to, to kind of weave into that? What, why did you go that that route? Well, it, 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 it's very interesting uh, you say that, Ryan, because that was one of my uh, uh, goals in the book is to tell uh, Larry's very specific story. But his story is also uh, – it, it's, it's universal in some ways because a lot of people in their – he's in his 60s uh, – are starting life over again. They've gotten uh, – uh, new job or they've lost a job or they're in out in a new marriage or out of a new marriage. They're trying to find their bearings anew at a, at a later time in life. He has the extra stigma of being a, a famous killer. He was the Ivy league killer. Mm-hmm. So he has extra baggage, but he's just another guy, you know, trying to live life and trying to, you know, get by in, in, a, in a difficult society. Mm-hmm. So I tried to meld two stories. Mm-hmm. No, And I like that. Cause I think, you know, as a, as those listening writers, especially, you know, those that have, that are writing stories, it's like, sometimes you need, you know, that kind of other edge to the story because it becomes so hard and so, you know, dark where it's like, you know, even that meeting someone romance, like that's such a human thing, you know, maybe not all of us can relate to being in prison, but uh, I mean, most of us can't, but, um, but we can relate to, yeah, having our heart broken or meeting someone or, you know, a divorce or, you know, relationship not working out or losing a job or whatever it is. Um, and, and I love that because I think that's what draws people to stories is, is that human element, that, that stuff we can kind of go, yeah, I've been there. I know what that's like. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, pictures, we, we can improve on, on human, on, uh, reality. We can, we can, uh, we can make things better, hmm. uh, you know, through, through stories. I like that. I like that. So, so tell me a little bit, you know, you, you've obviously written in some different genres, you know, TV novels, all, all uh, film. Uh, you know, is it a different muscle that you have to flex, you know, when you think about kind of sitting at the page and doing a, a TV script versus a novel? You know, you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, really finding, you know, you really love writing novels. That seems to be kind of your sweet spot. Um, is, is it different um, kind of approach for you or how has that kind of evolved as you've gotten into writing more novels? It is. I love writing screenplays. I, I love writing scripts. And I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great genre and it's a uh, very, uh, useful for teaching story uh, structuring and, and character building. That uh, uh, trans, transcends any, any genre. But uh, a script is still a blueprint for a work of art. A novel is the work of art itself. 
Hmm. A script, you write it and you give it off to uh, actors and directors and they make it better or make it worse, but it's still just the blueprint. Hmm. A novel is the thing itself. Well, I, I was just talking to a friend of mine, and, and well, novelists, we, we are the actors, we're the directors, we're the set designers, we do the, we do the lighting, we do the props, we do all the special effects. You know, it's all in our control. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's more gratifying. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, if you're writing a screenplay or, you know, a TV show, like obviously you're, you're very bare bones. I mean, you can't flush it out, get into the details, get into tons of backstory. You know, it's very, this happens, this happens, you know, because you only have so much space, but novels, you know, the beauty is you can kind of get into all of that and get into the details. Is that, is that kind of a little, make it a little bit different for you? Definitely. Uh, I like the, the depth of novels that, that we can get really into, uh, into human hearts the way, I mean, I love movies. I love, I love TV, but I think we can go deeper. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in writing a screenplay, it's a minute a page. They, mm-hmm. you know, that's about it. And you're, you know, you're, you're stuck with that, and they take it away from you. Uh, novelists, we, you know, we, you know, we've, we've all, you know, can use all our tools. So, so Peter, tell me, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear the in between. So you're, you know, you're writing TV, you're doing movies, you're doing all kinds of stuff. So when was kind of the first novel? I mean, when was the first idea? Did you, did you have any before you wrote these, these last two or uh, are these kind of the first ones out of the gate? No, these are the first ones. I always had the idea when, even when I was long ago, when I was writing uh, uh, scripts, I always said, if I'm going to write a novel, I'm going to write a novel. Like if you want to know the full story, like in college, my, my, uh, my mentor, who's a poet named June Jordan, gave me uh, 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 Goethe's Sars of Young Werther. It was the first book she gave me. He said, read this. And I loved, fell in love with it. And I said, I'm, if I ever write a novel, I'm going to write a novel like that. And that's a novel of passionate love that ends in tragedy. So I thought it's a, it's a universal uh, topic. And I always had that in my pocket. So when the time came to write a novel, because my scripts were, were just you know being uh, in development hell, I said, I'm going to write my own novel. It, no more meetings. I'm going to write my own novel. And, and, and this is the one that came out and it came out great. So, and then it led to this whole second novel. No, I love that. And I think that's, that's kind of the, you know, we have people that, you know, start, you know, years and years ago and they just kind of tuck it away, put it away. And then others, it's like, Hey, I know I got this story. And when I finally decide I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And they go for it. I love that. Uh, so tell us a little bit like your process. So was, was this, when you kind of decided, like, I'm going to write a novel, you know, this is different than a script. Uh, did you have a process? Like, hey, I'm going to write X amount of, you know, words a day. I'm going to outline this thing. Like, how, how did it How did it kind of look like for you as you were kind of getting rolling on this this project? Well, it's interesting. It's a process. It's different, but there are similarities. You still start, and it's the way I started, is collecting notes. You start writing just scraps of, oh, whether it's dialogue or little things, or you just start accumulating material. And then eventually, when you have a you know you know a critical mass, and you feel like you know where you're going, then you start your draft. So it's sort of that that kind of same process as you're you're, you're living with your story and, and and developing it. I like that. So, like with these stories, like obviously you had kind of a um, you mentioned earlier this you know tragic love story kind of idea. Uh, you know, when you're sitting down to kind of write this, do, do you have any, any idea of, you know, this is how long it's going to be. This is kind of, you know, it's going to be this, you know, fairly large novel, short novel in between. I mean, is there any thought of that or is it just kind of what the story needs to be? It'll be. Yeah. I, I wrote the story, what, what I felt it needed to be. Mm-hmm. I, I guess they could have been shorter, but uh, I had to write the story I had to write, you know, and, and, and let it be fully lived. And I, and I admit, I, I, I'm a fan of long novels. I like, a, mm-hmm. I like a big, juicy, long novel that I can get lost in. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, me too. I think I think there's something to that too. Get, kind of ramping up to like giving people, you know, slowly kind of feeding them until they're immersed in the world. I think that's uh, fun. Even in our our day of you know every everything's ebook and and quick and binging and all that. But uh, yeah, no, I think there's there's something to that. Now, um, if I understand, so the setting is is it New York? Uh, this book? Yes, yes. The first book was more Long Island. This book is more uh, Westchester and uh, okay. north of the city. If you know New York, but. Uh, Yep. Yeah, there, there are parallels between the two books, but but this book stands alone. The second book is a totally standalone book. I should say that okay. I was, we were very sure that, that you, you don't have to read the first book to read the second. Okay. second, that's for sure. Now you're a Long Island guy, so familiar with the New York area and LA too as well. But uh, you, you know, this is the question of question. I just asked this to someone today. Uh, you know, when you're researching, I mean, how much of, of the actual setting is real places, real people? Or is it just kind of fictionalized places? How much do you have to get that right? I mean, are you thinking about those kinds of things or are you just kind of, it's kind of in the middle somewhere? I, I got as real as I could. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's one scene in the, in the, uh, in, uh, the book where uh, there's a big dinner at Le Bernardin, the famous fish restaurant in New York. So I went there and, and pretended that I was going to throw a party there and did my research there. And, uh, I went to, you know, all, all, as many of the places as I could, uh, physically and the rest of it i did on the internet you know i can mm-hmm. you know it's fantastic what you can search on that sure sure so did you have when you started the book did you have kind of what did you kind of tell yourself like it's got to be new york because that's what where i love or where it needs to be or how did that kind of evolve it was just the the right place for what i knew and going mm-hmm. back to the old uh, right what you know mm-hmm. you know the, 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 there's a lot of, a lot of truth in that mm-hmm. so we just grew out of uh, places that i knew and loved and thought i could uh you know bring to life I like that. So when, when people pick up your book so far, obviously your, your second one, when did this one come out? Not too long ago, right? Only a few, few weeks ago. Oh, just uh, came out. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was my pub date? Uh, September 17th. So it's been out about a month. Okay. Um, now obviously your other book has been out for a while. Um, this one's been out for about a month. Uh, you know, when someone picks up a Peter Seth book, these two, you know, what, what are they going to get? What, what, what's kind of the, the feedback you're getting? Like what, what kind of draws them in? Why do people like, like the, it's getting great reviews. So what, what's kind of the, the feedback you're, you're getting on your end? I think they like the character basically, even though he's deeply, Larry is a deeply flawed character, deeply, deeply flawed. He's, uh, he's well-meaning. And I think you identify with his plight and what he, what he goes through, even though he makes big mistakes. Uh, he's still, uh, I think, a character that, that people want to spend time with and, and see what he see what happens to him. Hmm. I think that, and people like the, the the passion with which I invest the story because I'm I I am passionate about it. I I, hmm. I like to go deep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, the the Larry character because he's you know obviously a, a prisoner. He you know he gets released. He's he's older now in this book. Uh, but there's something, is there something interesting? Like we want to root for that kind of underdog or, or even if we've never obviously been to prison or been through the things he's been through, uh, there's just something that resonates. Cause you know, cause I, I think we said earlier, it's like you, you do, everyone falls on their face. Everyone, you know, screws up something, you know, uh, right. m- many times over. And it's like, yeah, even the, even the bad guys, you kind of root for them. I, I think of like breaking bad. There's just something about, you know, Walter White, even though he's a, <laughs> you know, kind of gets darker and darker, but you're like, he started out like, I really just want to help my family and provide for them. <laughs> you know? I, like the, I like Mr. White too. I mean, yes, he had, and he had the, the, the kid with, uh, with the other problems. So, yeah, he was so yeah. well. So, you know, Larry is well-meaning in that way. And he gets into trouble. He had gotten into trouble in the first book and he gets into trouble in this book. But he, uh, 
you know, he, you know, he's, he's a well-meaning, uh, well-intentioned person, just, just trying to, you know, get by. And, uh, mm-hmm. he's, uh, yeah, he has his adventures that are, yep. uh, you know, I think are fun for the reader. They're also fun. <laughs> sure. Those are fun and funny. Sure. Well, you know, I, I think there's a, you know, for, you probably agree with this, but you know, every writer, like if you want to write good characters, they need, they do need to be flawed because we don't really resonate with like perfect people that actually kind of turns us off. Cause we're not perfect. And we, you know, we, no. we, we make a mess of things. So it's like that perfect character is like, it just doesn't resonate. Cause you're like, I don't, who's that guy? You know, <laughs> like you have to make uh, fun of that guy. You yeah, make fun exactly. Of that guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, more flawed, the better. I like that. Uh, um, so. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, it's what you say. The more, yes, the more human the character, the better. I think mm-hmm. you, look, you know, just look through all literature, and, you know, at whatever level, you know, the, you know, the more identifiable, the better. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, now, Peter, so you, you've obviously been in, um, you, you, you bring to the show a lot of experience cause you've been in just different mediums as far as, you know, TV and film and, and the industry and things. Um, now getting into novels, let's talk a little bit about just kind of, publishing and, and marketing and all that kind of stuff. What, what have you been kind of learning? Um, you know, what's the difference between kind of getting a novel out there versus, you know, getting, getting a TV show or getting a, a movie script out there. What, what are you kind of learning as far as like marketing and getting people, you know, eyes on your work, things like that. Is there, is there a difference there? Or is it still kind of the same thing or is it, or is it different for books? Well, it's different for books because in, in this case, I'm the person out front. This, you know, there are in previous things, there were actors and other, uh, and other, uh, other principles in with uh, in the land of books. I, you know, I'm the person. So I have my website, and I and I uh, blog, and I try to put stuff on Facebook. And, and it, you know, there are a lot of books out there, and you have to get your get your name out there. And if, you know, if you're proud of your work, you know, push it out there. There are a million books, but you know, you got you got you got to do your you know, do your part. Mm-hmm. And, no, that's and, good. I, and I have to say, and I have a lovely publisher, uh, mm-hmm. the Story Plant. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, um, you know, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's still a lot, a lot on the, uh, author himself. Sure. Is there, is there anything in particular that you would say has been like the most helpful as far as kind of getting eyes on your book? Um, you know, any, any, you know, platform you find the most helpful, I mean, interviewing podcasts, whatever, uh, anything that would kind of, you know, encourage writers to say, Hey, you should think about this or try this. You know, I don't know. I'll tell you in a couple of months when we start to get more sales figures, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I talk to other authors about that. No one really knows what mm-hmm. really works. I mean, it, it, yes, if you get, uh, if you become an Oprah book, uh, book club, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. But for, for the average writer, just put your stuff out there. Believe in your stuff. That, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I, you know, what, you know, what else can you do? There's right. a great line in, in the, in the show Hamilton and he's, he's things, I am not throwing away my shot. So you can't throw mm-hmm. away your shot. You know, mm-hmm. you have a book, get it out there. Well, that's great. And I like that, you know, this idea of just being confident and being, you know, this believing in, you know, what you've made and and sharing that. And I think word of mouth too. I mean, it's much as people want to talk about social media and, you know, marketing, you know, dollars and all this is like really is, I mean, how many books have you read and shows have you gone to because a friend said, Hey, you need to check this out. This is really great. Word of mouth is key. Word of mouth is always key. And I, I, I think that's also like Goodreads uh, reviews mm-hmm. and Amazon customer reviews. I think those are important too. Sure. Uh, from, what, from what I've seen. So, uh, you know, but you know, we, you know, I mean, do your best. That's, that's, you know, all the way through. Sure. Well, Peter, tell us, uh, you know, so we talked a little bit about marketing, a little bit, you know, what, what works, what doesn't work, but let's get a little bit in your, into your process. So how, how do you, you know, for you personally, what, like, what, what do you, what is a, like a daily, do you have a daily kind of writing 
practice or weekly practice or what does it look like when you're saying, okay, I'm going to sit down, I'm writing when I got out, you know, it's a, it's a good size book. I mean, it's what, 450 pages, you know, it's going to take a little while. Um, you know, what, what does that look like on a daily kind of weekly basis for you kind of getting this, this work done? I'm a devoted writer. I, every day that, that I'm not babysitting for my grandson, I sit down at my, at, you know, at my computer and, you know, it depends on what stage I'm in. If I'm in an early stage of a, of a work, I'm, uh, I'm going through my notes and, and formulating what I'm doing. If I'm in the middle of something, I pick up where I left off and just, you know, plow through and just, you know, you, you get your first draft done and then you start all over and you go through it again and you, you know, it never ends. It never mm-hmm. ends. They mm-hmm. have to drag it out of your hands, but it's work. You have to sit down and work. So, you, know, you know, you take breaks. I, I, I like to walk around the block. Yeah. I, I heard one of your podcasts about staying fallow for a while. I think that's also a good idea. You mm-hmm. can't force it, but it's also writing is work. It's good work, right. but it's work. Right. Yeah. How about, um, you know, re- this is always the question, you know, revision editing. What does that look like for you? Are you kind of a straight through to the end, then revision or you, you revise as you go? What is it? What's your process on that? Well, that's interesting. Uh, you sort of mini revise it, but not major revising. I try to push through to the end, but then I always have, uh, then I'm keeping a, a file of of things you ads for the next second draft. So mm-hmm. stuff you know you're going to want to add that you left out. Sometimes you can you could like put it back into the draft, and you just keep stuff keep a a, a a list of stuff you know you're going to want to add the second time through. Mm-hmm. Now, third, do you have? How do you know for you again? This is always the question of all questions, but you know, how do you know when it's done? I mean, when you're ready, like send it to your editor. Is there is there kind of a moment where you say, okay, th- this is the best it's going to get. I got to get it out of here. Someone else yeah. needs to look at it. <laughs> yes, there's that. There's also the great quote from uh, the poet Paul Valerie saying, a work, a work of art is never finished, only abandoned. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, you can work on it forever. In fact, I, you know, it's so funny. Doing all, all the, uh, the uh, interviews I've been doing about uh, uh, when I got out, there's now stuff I'm in, in discussion, stuff I wish I could put back in the book now in terms of talking, say, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. I wish I could put it back. So you sort of never finished in a way. You can always, you're, you know, you know, if the idea is still alive, it's, it's alive. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, now based on, you know, the, the, the topic of your book of this, uh, this book, well, even, even the last one, but more, more specifically this one, when I got out, uh, you know, about Larry who gets out of prison, you know, and kind of navigating life out outside the, the walls of the prison. Um, has there been any kind of uh, connection with actual, you know, prison reform or, um, you know, getting even the, the ideas of your book, you know, into the hands of those that, you know, have to do with, you know, whether they work in prisons or whether they are prisoners anything, anything happen happening through that? Or have you kind of promoted that uh, to well, those crowds? Yeah, well, actually I'm starting that. I did an interview with, uh, with uh, someone who works with the, uh, uh, the Minnesota prison writer writing project. Okay. And he, and he said, my book, I, I love, he said, he said, uh, my book passed the smell test. Mm. So, so he thought that he's going to try to get it, uh, uh, seen in, in some other prison writing uh, uh, programs. One a friend is running at Rikers Island in New York, so that's an actually a good place to, uh, you know, to you know, it's a it's a natural readership because it's about yeah. you know, and it's it's about the real lives of uh, of these guys. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I mean, I you know, my uh, I have a friend who who used to do some. Uh, work in prisons and some prison ministry and things. And uh, I mean, one of the things he, he, he always tell me, he said, you know, they're just avid readers. I mean, cause obviously you have a lot of time on your hands and getting them books and good books, um, you know, to read. And uh, you know, one of the things I, I was thinking about was, you know, um, 
I've a, there's a, I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but there's one called ear hustle. That's, that's out there right now. That's actually really fascinating. And they actually interview uh, real prisoners in San Quentin. And, and what's, what's interesting is just to hear the stories that this is how it really is. Um, you know, and what life really is like inside the prisons. And, And some of it's, you know, kind of blows up our stereotypes where we think it's just awful. Cause sometimes they're like, Hey, it's not as bad as you think. And then other times it's worse than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really fascinating just to hear these actual prisoners and they're actually still, they're not out. Like there's one gal who does it, produces it. Uh, she's not a prisoner, but the other, other guy is, I think he sells like 30 more years in, in San Quentin. Um, but they, they talk to these guys, they tell stories, all those kinds of things. Um, and, and I think it's important to kind of get, in my opinion, that those stories kind of out there, like this is, this is how it really is. And and I re- really appreciate, appreciate you writing this book and all these themes because it is a, is a big issue in our, in our, you know, American culture, at least, you know, where we have, you know, majority of the prisoners in the world are in America. Terrible. But you write about it, books in prison. In fact, Larry books help him get through prison. Mm-hmm. And once he gets out, uh, you know, because he, because prisoners can't really talk about their lives because, you know, it would scare people away, but he can't talk about books with people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm getting, sorry about all these clicks. I'm getting pictures of my grandson. Uh, that's all right. So. <laughs> Makes him more but, human. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 No, but uh, uh, books are essential and it's, it's a way for, for prisoners to be, uh, to really get their minds out of prison. Once you're, mm-hmm. if, you, if you disappear into a book, you're in, in another zone. So uh, mm-hmm. reading is key in prison. Mm-hmm. So, so let's stay on that for just for books in general. So you, you obviously have a grandkid, um, and some kids and, and, you know, I don't know, the, I don't know the ages of the grandkids, but you know, I have four kids and, you know, I know, I, I, know, I love, I love all your stories, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I was just thinking about that. You know, what are the future of books? I mean, you know, there'll always be books, but like, is, is, is there still hope for, you know, just normal print book ebook stories totally. or are we going somewhere else no 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 totally <laughs> my I, well, i'll testify to my grandson is is addicted to books he loves books he loves going to the library um i my my son uh doesn't allow him to have uh, they don't have a tv or screens or anything they mm-hmm. keep him totally book oriented and i think it's great uh every every you know you just have to go into your public library and go to the children's section we i think uh reading is forever Reading, is, mm-hmm. reading will never, never go away. Mm-hmm. Now, when you, you think of kind of your own influences as far as books go, you know, obviously everyone kind of has, you know, it's not that they're mimicking someone, but I mean, there's some influences obviously that come out in every, every writer's, you know, books and things, you know, any, uh, any books that kind of really impacted you as a kid or, or even as an adult um, that, that you feel like that this is kind of my, I've kind of inherited a little bit of that style, or at least I'm trying to write books like this kind of person, or, or do, you, do you think about any of that? Sure. I'm, I'm very, very influenced. I can't help it. I'm a, a book lover. And sometimes, you know, the books you love, you have to do the opposite of. I grew up loving, diff, you know, uh, difficult books like, you know, you know, Joyce and Proust. But I wanted to write books that were easy to read. So my, <laughs> book, my book is long. But my book is very, is a very easy uh, mm-hmm. flowing style. And is, uh, but I, you know, but I also wanted to go, you know, very deeply, uh, you know, into the, into the psyche, into the human psyche. So mm-hmm. then, then, then your tastes change. And, uh, it's funny, uh, the, my, the first book where someone said it was like a cross between J.D. Salinger and Patricia Highsmith. So mm-hmm. that, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. I like and, that. Yes. And this one is, uh, and, you know, I, I, I had a lot of, uh, 
literary forebears. The, the first book was more of a Philip Roth book, a young man on the make. And this book is more of a uh, Saul Bellow, cranky old man book. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, have a lot, I have a lot of influences. I, I, I can't, I'm, yeah, I'm swinging for the fences. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll, I'll admit it. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. And I, I, I like what you're talking about just evolving as a writer. Cause I think that's, you know, every writer, I think every writer kind of starts, they always mimic, you know, their favorites and then they kind of go, well, that's not really me. You know, this is more me or, or, you know, I just sound like them, but, but that's, that's the fun of telling stories, right? It's just, it's just, it comes out as it needs to come out. And sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that, <laughs> you know, right. but, and you, get, you get into your, you get into your own head, your own, your own voice and yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the pleasure. I mean, yep. it's work, but it's, but you're, you're, you know, you're in your own, your own world. Mm-hmm. Now, Peter, one, one of the questions that I think every writer has to, has to deal with, and especially those that are just kind of getting started is they don't realize this. Um, if they haven't done it much is there's going to be days where it's just really difficult and it is work. You know, it feels like you're pushing a boulder up a hill. You know, what are, what are some things that you do to kind of keep, keep you motivated? I mean, what keeps you up in the, getting up in the morning and keep doing the work, even with, you know, watching the grandkids and making sure you're getting your stuff stuff done is there any kind of things you do when it gets hard or it just feels like more of a slog than joy like is there is there things you tell yourself there are things you you do talk talk us through that a little bit my main things i'll take a walk i'll go and take a walk that's usually the the best thing for me get some oxygen into your brain uh get away from this get away from the screen i always i take a piece of a little folded up piece of paper and pen with me uh because that's i can write faster than i can you know take notes in a phone take something to write with you Go for a walk, and it'll pick you right up. It really will. Yeah, I like that. but I also, I also, I have to say, I also believe in in sitting there and suffering. And not, <laughs> it's funny. I have to tell you this because I was just going through. Uh, my wife was out of town, and I and I've been keeping a journal since 1971. So I went through all my journals from 19, and I always, I always collect a lot of sayings and 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 wisdom that I that that I uh, that I really that really resonates with me. So I collected all the sayings I. I have, and a lot of them relate to writing. And this is one that I particularly love. This is ap- apropos. This is, from, this is from Picasso. He says, inspiration exists, but it has to find you working. Hmm. That's good. Sometimes you have to sit there and sit there for an hour, and then the good idea will come. You can't just go there and sit down to the good idea right, 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 right at the beginning. You have to mm-hmm. earn that good idea sometimes. Right. And, the, you know, so. Yeah, yeah what's, the, what's the quote? I forget who it said. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't believe in muses, but you know, when I show up at nine o'clock every every morning, I know the muse is going to meet me right there. It's just you know, you have to kind of put your fingers yeah. on on the keypad. Yeah. You know, that's where inspiration comes, right? And it's not easy. Yeah. Sometimes you have, you know, some the other other great quote. Yeah, another great quote is from uh, I. B. Singer. The you know, the waste paper is the writer's best friend. There's also <laughs> that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, but you know, so but you know, you have to you know get down and and and, and do your work. Do your mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good because I, I, you know, a lot of writers, they, they don't, they haven't experienced it in real time. And, and I'm not saying writer's block or anything like that, but just the, there's a, you know, an excitement when you start a project and then you kind of get to the middle or to the end and you, you just kind of, not that you hate the characters or not that you, no. you know, but you've looked at it so long that it's just, you know, that's the, the reality of like, how many times do I have to look at this and revise it? And is it ever going to be done? It uh, is. It is hard work. It's not digging ditches, but it definitely it has a challenge. Um, yeah. Now, Peter, tell us, uh, you know, what just this project, I know every project's different. Um, you've written a lot of different things, but, you know, every project's different. What is like one thing that you learned doing this particular uh, project, writing project? This particular one. Wow. 
any lessons or any things that you learned about yourself or about the story or about, you know, your, what, what anything? I, I learned, uh, uh, perseverance more than, more than the first book. I think this one really, this one really tested me, uh, and to, and to make it work, uh, cause I sort of knew how the first book was going to work to make this one work was, uh, was, was a real test of, of working with a plot and, and redoing this, this, cause I do sequences. We, you know, you work, beat out the, 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 the plot in the sequence and to, and to get that right and to make everything believable and make it click. You know, this was, this was, a, uh, this was the, the hardest thing I ever had to write. For sure. Mm, that's good. Now, what a uh, question I love to ask uh, all our writers and authors is, you know, what would be just some, some, I mean, obviously you've been around the block a few times, written a lot of things, but uh, you know, what would be just some advice for, for those kind of just getting started or just beginning, or maybe they have one book out there or they're just trying to figure things out a little bit. Um, it will be some, some words of uh, advice or truth you'd, you'd want to kind of give them to, as they get started. Well, keep writing, keep writing. Cause what you're doing is valuable. I think that's the, that's the main thing. Believe believe in, in 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 what you have to say, and try to say something uh, try to say something meaningful. Hmm. Uh, you know, again, I was digging out all these great quotes, and uh, 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 there are so many. There's one, uh, you know, from Samuel Beckett. He says, "No matter, try again, fail again, fail better." <laughs> that's so, good. Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, I, I love what you're saying there is that writing, you know, what you're doing matters and writing matter. Cause I, I think, you know, I'm not saying writing is the most important thing in the world. It's not, but, uh, but it does matter. And I think just people hearing that is important, you know, that they have permission that, that, Hey, your words, your stories, they do matter. I mean, the fact you're writing this book, it's a fictional book about prison yet. We're talking about prison reform and we're talking about how it really is and, and how there are issues in our day. I mean, that, that, that's the thing that stories can do and, and how, you know, think of these great stories in, in our day too that that have kind of raised consciousness or raised awareness of certain people or, or communities or or situations and and I think you know it's a gift to the world that we we should minimize and, and we need more good art out in the world absolutely I mean I think you know the great some of the greatest people who've ever lived are you know Shakespeare and and Dickens and Jane Austen and certainly Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and Twain and Whitman and you know all our great writers. These these are some of the greatest minds, you know, the the, the human race has ever produced. I think uh, mm-hmm. you know we're, we're all, all us you know mortal writers are just little parts of that great effort, you know, to to understand uh, humanity. I think mm-hmm. we're we're we actually have a very noble call. Mm-hmm. I love that noble call. I'm gonna write that down. That's great. <laughs> all right, Peter. So this is always a tricky question because obviously you're. Wait, 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 yeah, go ahead. Question? You, you have to ask a question of what someone wouldn't know about me. I've been waiting for the what someone wouldn't know about me question. Okay. Well, you can answer it then. I taught fencing. Oh, you did? Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I, Sorry to interrupt you, but I thought they, I didn't want to miss that one. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know. I mean, that that's kind of interesting because I actually used to fence when I was from age, age seven to 14. I was a fencer. On guard. Yeah. On guard. Yeah. Yep. And I, I grew up in California and it wasn't that popular in California. So I kind of ended up doing other things, but uh, yeah, I got pretty, I got pretty good. It's a great sport. It's a fantastic yeah. sport. Yep. Yeah. It is a great I, sport. Like, I saw my first Errol Flynn movie and it was like never the same. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so Peter, so I know this is a tricky question only because uh, you just wrote, you just wrote, wrote something, just published something. So when I got out, just came out, but uh, any other, what's your kind of next, next project that you're working on after when I got out, anything in the, in the hopper? You bet. I'm working on a play 
because my best my best friend is an actor, and I've always loved theater. I grew up uh, in you know, on Long Island, so a lot of theater. So I'm going to give a play a shot, and it's nice because my my books are long and, and and they take a while to read. So it's nice to write a play that someone can get in just one sitting, one mm-hmm. you know one an hour and a half sitting. So I'll go that I'm going that way, but I, I, I'm still having a novel after that. But I'm doing this play right now. Okay, great. Uh, now, Peter, where, where's the best place to, to find you and your books? Uh, PeterSeth.com is my website, and you can buy my books any place. Uh, Amazon, yeah, your independent bookstores, Story Plant, my publisher. Uh, just where it's on. It's it, now it's in cloth and Kindle. I think the, the paperback is going to come later. Uh, but you know, it's out there, Kindle, uh, and it's in, it, and they, it's a beautiful, uh, I'd say the cloth is beautiful. Uh, uh, my, uh, publisher did a beautiful, uh, production job on, on the book. It really it feels nice in the hand, you know? Fantastic. Yeah, no, you're, you're, I mean, I have it in my hand right now and it's, it's a beautiful, uh, I got a hardcover. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. Um, uh, so Peter, I, I know you're in LA and I, we have a lot of listeners in LA and you know, some of the bigger cities too. So, uh, are you doing any like signings or any, um, anything in person in, in the I, area? I, I did some on my public. I did a signing at book soup in Hollywood and okay. the Flintridge bookstore here in, uh, in my, uh, uh, town of La Cañada. But, um, I'm doing mainly podcasts and, uh, phone interviews. This seems to be the way people go. Uh, yeah. I, I, I do a book club, but my, book is kind of long for a book club yeah. but yeah I'll, I'll show up for anything you know right. supermarket openings you know you know, you know us writers yeah use car you know use car lot wherever there you go uh, i'll take yeah. it you yeah. bet well peter this has been such a uh great honor to talk to you and i'm so excited about your book when i got out and i know it's gonna be uh, a great book for a lot of people and and i just encourage everyone to go out and get it uh thanks for the topics you're dealing with thank you for sharing your writing knowledge and uh and doing the work that you're doing and we really are so excited for you and uh all the best oh thanks a lot ryan this was great i love the podcast this is great great thank you peter have a great day bye-bye